Whoa, this is GDP producers Lexi Matthews and Riley Villiers. We are here with another GDP, the director's cut. I actually don't know what episode we're on. I don't either. Maybe seven. Maybe five. You'll figure it out when you're listening to this. But who do we have on the podcast today, Riley? We had on Frank Ling. Yes, Frank Ling has been working uh, with Frankie Films, working with cinematography, and helping film the movie. He's been working a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, so we sat down and talked to him about what that process has been like. Yeah, he told us some really interesting information just about himself, too. Um, he's an international student at BC, and film actually isn't his major, So that was really interesting. And he also delved into what he would do in the zombie apocalypse. And I just got to say, out of everyone, I both admire and do not understand his answer at all. Yes, I would love to, if you can write us back in any way possible, if you agree with Frank Ling's answer or not, we would love to know. Um, Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Frank Ling. We had a lot of fun. He taught us a lot about um, what it's like to be an international student or a person living on like a student work or a work visa here Um, and a lot about the film world. And I felt like I learned a lot from it. What about you, Rai? I also think I learned a lot. It was a really great episode, super fun to film. Everyone working on this film is an absolute character, so it's been a lot of fun. And going forward, we hope to just bring you some more of this and maybe some behind-the-scenes content. Yeah, we're super excited to keep delving forward. We are going to be shooting some more stuff real soon. We hear there are some real interesting developments in the work, and uh, we can't wait to continue on this journey with you guys. Whoa. Yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, the guests. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed this at all, please share it with a friend. Uh, We appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Whoa. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. Hi, my name is Frank, and this is my golden hour. All right, so welcome back to another episode of GDP, The Director's Cut. Who do we have joining us today? Uh, so my name is Frank, and I'm a cinematographer in, that goes to Boston College. And uh, what is your role in the film? Um, I do a lot of, so most, most sets I do first AC, so that's basically sometimes pulling focus and sometimes adjusting the camera when uh, the other Frank is not here. And uh, I also do, sometimes I do lighting and audio. So I work with Sean, who we will see um, later in the clip that uh, I usually just boom and operate the boom mic, and then he will operate the zoom recording to check the levels and stuff. Yeah. And how did you first get into film work and stuff like that? Um, so I think I was watching a lot of YouTube, like any teenage kid. So I was constantly on YouTube, like I don't know, five, four or five hours a day to just watching different stuff, and then. Um, I was coming across this guy called Peter McKinnon. Um, so if anybody has anything to do with video, you'll know him. And then he makes um, video, like I guess like movie quality videos, and then they mo- uh, he produced them on YouTube. And I was like, no way that anybody can record videos at this high level like on YouTube. Because you know, normally you think of YouTubers, you think of low quality vlogs that are just like bamming with... Uh, different i don't know like effects or transitions and stuff that aren't really like pleasing to the eye after a couple videos so after i watched him i was like man i really gotta get on this so 
um, when I graduated high school, I asked my parents to buy a camera for me. And then so that's how we got started, basically. Yeah. And um, so do you study film at BC now? No, I have no classes that have anything to do with film. No. What yeah. do you study at BC? I study econ and psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, very traditional majors, but doing very conventional um basically out of school work and stuff yeah do you think your econ and psychology degrees help you in uh, your filmmaking at all mm, no i don't think so. no yeah. <laughs> i think my my sort of expectation for college education has drastically decreased um obviously like coming out of high school as a very good student i was um top of the class i have like great gpa and stuff and then coming to college i was excited i was excited to to learn like um, what it what it could be like for a college student to learn different materials and stuff. But uh, once I got into college, I feel like um, the stuff you learn in school doesn't necessarily translate into the work work field or anything. They sort of just prove to companies that you are capable of earning a degree and you're capable of uh, doing the coursework and being responsible as a student. And that's basically it for most majors. But although I believe some majors are actually helping them into the workforce, like our school has a uh, business school and they actually teach kids how to use like Excel, which is really important uh, if you're doing anything that has uh, anything to do with numbers or they teach you about uh, how to write a resume correctly and then when and where to apply for internships and jobs. And those were, I think, critical for uh, young adults when they are stepping into society also like taxes never no one ever mm-hmm. teaches you taxes you have to figure it out on your own so i feel like um for me it's always like i need to focus on my major so that i can j- get a job um in the future but i don't want to keep doing econ psychology jobs i want to do film but um for me i'm an international student so for me to get a job that's related to media is nearly impossible uh, in the eyes of the U.S. government. So mm-hmm. this is what econ psychology is my kind of my stepping stone for for uh, employment, basically. Yeah. So once you graduate from BC with your econ and psychology degree, do you want to pursue something that is that can eventually turn into a film? Uh, yeah. Career? So um, so my obviously my highest hope would be to be hired as a uh, so I have to basically uh, kind of explain the immigration process for those of you that don't know. Mm-hmm. So for any international student, no matter which country you come from, so when you're entering the U.S., you are on a student visa. So that means you cannot work off campus or anything to make money. So you can only work on campus. And if you want to, uh, after you graduate, if you want to get a job, you have to get a job that's re- directly related to your major. Mm-hmm. And so after you get a job, the company that hires you has to file for an application for a work visa. And that gets sent to the um, U.S. Immigration and Customs or whatever. And then they process it by selecting, randomly selecting uh, students that have applications. So for undergrads, wow. for undergrads, when you graduate, the chances are 3 out of 10. So every 10 students, only 3 get selected. Like, so 70% of international students yeah, end up going home to work. Exactly, yeah. Wow. So so the alternative, I guess, is going to like grad school or something yeah, so like that. Yeah, so going to grad school makes you more, um, I guess, favorable in the work field. So when, you're, when you have a master's degree compared to an undergrad degree um, or bachelor's degree, uh, employers will obviously choose the one with master's degree. And that's what gives, I guess, international students a, an edge in, in, when it comes to employment. But yeah. 
It's pretty tough. So do all international students have to go through that process once they graduate? They need yeah. to go through this work visa application process in addition to finding a job? Yeah, so um, if you want to find any sort of employment that pays, that's the process you have to go through. Wow. Yeah. So if you graduated and you wanted to find a job in film that was unrelated to your degree, yeah. would a work visa sponsor you? It would not be sponsored. It would all. not be sponsored. Yeah. So it has to... film. So... Um, once you get a work visa, then you can consider changing a job. That's possible. Right, I but, see. So yeah. you have to get the first one. The and first that job opens, has to be That opens doors yeah. for you. I see. Yeah. Huh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I so that. compared you know? to, um, I guess, any American students, employment gets a lot tougher for, for us. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And then I guess the alternative would be just to file for citizenship, right? Which, of course, that is takes, a very loaded process. Yeah, so for it also depends on which country you come from. Say you yeah. from you come from like Denmark or any like um, very developed like European countries and then you want to apply for like those people they don't have immigration they're, those people there don't want to immigrate to America right, right? Mm-hmm. so uh, most people that immigrate to America come from countries that are um, I don't know to them worse than the United States that's why they would uh, do immigration in the first place right and then so um, those countries usually have a horrible waiting time. So the worst, I think, right now is India, which with uh, yeah. twenty plus years of waiting mm-hmm. once you apply. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that, that's the process. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what you're from China, right? Yeah, yeah. What's your country's waiting time like? My waiting, it's like 10, 15 years. Wow, yeah. that's still a really long. So you have time. to stay on work visa for a decade or two before you mm-hmm. become like. Um, a citizen, a citizen. Or a green that's crazy yeah. it's so crazy yeah yeah so right now you are then working on film as much as you can mm-hmm. uh to try to get Experience. your money's worth yeah. while you're here yeah. yeah so what kind of projects have you been working on uh in your years since you started film so i've only getting really so i started with photos because photos are a lot easier than videos mm-hmm. uh, to, to a lot of people because it's basically just a still and then you can't really mess up mm-hmm. uh, photos but for videos i started actually in freshman of college so and then I, i've been so after i started doing video there was like a half six months to a year before i actually got any uh, got to do any projects so it was first was just, just doing vlogs on youtube because that's the only way that i can make videos um, that are fun to me and then after that, I started getting different projects. At first, it was a lot of dance videos, and then I go, I got, I did a lot of videos at BU uh, with different dance teams and stuff. After that, it was uh, a period of like music videos, which um, if you're in the field, you would know that. That's like a introductory, like when you're a beginner, you a videographer, you do a lot of music video because mm-hmm. the the clients don't, uh, they don't, they're not usually very professional. So that's how that's how you get started basically. Mm-hmm. After that, um, right now I've been doing a lot of commercial product uh, videography, and then that's like uh, what I think I want to be doing after I graduate. So it's it's a lot of fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then how did you become? Like, sorry to interrupt. You guys are killing it, Riley. Nice to see you. Hey. Yeah, we're Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and then how did you get involved with this project? Uh, so I. I've known the other Frank for, for ever since I came to college. Mm-hmm. So we were pretty good friends and we both are on the same track to do like professional video in the mm-hmm. future. And then so Frank knows Connor through, I guess, I don't know. They, they yeah, haven't told I, me the I story. I think they met, met through Instagram DMs. That's yeah. what Frank was telling me last time I talked okay. to him. Yeah, so so that. And then 
Frank and I know each other, but we never, we don't really uh, collaborate on projects. It's always our own thing. And then I think it's better. You don't really need, for smaller projects, you don't need two videographers on the set to mm-hmm. to do anything. So um, for this one, uh, Frank said that Connor has a really big film that he wanted to do. And then um, obviously like we're really close and we work together really well. And then he said that I kind of should bring me on set and then that's how i kind of got to the set yeah so, and what is what is your experience on set been like so far it's a it's a learning curve i feel like so frank and i did a um another video that that has like a lot of moving parts so we usually just do uh individual videos where it's always a client or two and then we just film it ourselves so we have to do the framing the camera work and then the editing and the lighting the audio like all by ourselves and then so this project we did a project prior to this where um that's not possible like uh so uh, we used to use uh mirrorless and mirrorless and dslrs that have autofocus so you don't have to uh, do anything you just have to basically control the exposure and the framing but now that uh, we both got into cinema cameras they don't have autofocus so a one-man job basically becomes impossible at this point Mm -hmm. so he on the on that shoot he needed me to basically film uh, behind the scenes footage and then we have to have a guy that controls the lighting because otherwise every every scene basically takes way too long in between because the focus is yeah. all messed up the, the focus and the lighting mm-hmm. so the lighting we have these light tubes that we have to set up before before we hit the record button and those take forever to yeah to set up and then um one a person's job is like impossible to cover all of that yeah so we need a different people to be specialized in different uh different stuff so we have we have sean on the audio we have lighting guy we have some just do errands and then we have um people that contact the uh, the actors and stuff so every person has a very specific job that's very little but you do it well so that's how a set works basically Mm -hmm. and do you think that's been challenging for you guys or has it worked pretty well so far uh not not really i don't think it was hard it was just different yeah We, we never had uh, anything this big before so it's it's actually a lot of fun yeah. how is this compared to other projects you've worked on like obviously this is a much bigger scale than other ones but are there any similarities or differences that really stand out to you um i guess the similarity would be um um will be similar so similarity would be something like the framing doesn't change or how we operate the camera doesn't change and that's that's all the job that we do basically on set and then everything else is up to other people so uh, even though we coordinate each other on like what to do on uh at what time but i think the um the only thing that holds constant is like literally just how we operate camera mm-hmm. and then everything else basically changes when you go from individual to a set yeah mm-hmm. and then how how do you like working on like a narrative structure film like do you like it is that something you'd want to do in the future um yeah so i think for narrative shots especially like even even hollywood movies directors and writers uh they have challenges so you don't see a director that's successful at every single movie right because that's basically in order to make a good movie it's the hard work and then the great idea of a lot of different people so the producer has to have a right idea the director has to have a good visual input or like how the film should go the cinematographer has to be good at his job and then if any of those people are bad you don't make a good movie so mm-hmm. especially in our encounter film we frank and i are 
not editing, which is something new that we, we used to always control the editing. And then we, when we shoot the video, we kind of know where to cut or where to do what effects we where to have those thoughts like beforehand when we we're shooting so when it comes to editing it's very smooth uh transition but for for this project obviously uh we're not editing so um we don't know how it's gonna go <laughs> after we finish production how, is that different for you usually you guys sit down and do the editing afterwards yeah so when you're doing it by yourself, you feel you have the like, full control of the project. Yeah. Unless the client has very drastically different ideas than you, then uh, whatever you decide how the project is going to go is how the project is going to go. But right now, it's like whatever we wanted to do is probably going to be different from what the editor yeah. thinks is good. Yeah. Does that make you nervous at all? Um, a little bit, I feel like. Since everybody's putting so much effort into it, if the... Yeah, who knows? I've never met the editor, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you uh, read any of the script or know any of like the storyline at I all? I know the general storyline, but the script is like 170 pages. Yeah, I don't it's, read it's all pretty of it. long. <laughs> Frank was telling me the other day that he read it, um, of yeah, course, when I, it was pitched. I think they were him. working on it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Frank actually told me he did not like the script when he first read it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I was curious to see if you had any opinions I'm, on I'm the story into, or anything. Uh, so if it was strictly up to me, I would, if I'm shooting an indie film, I would, I would do something that has nothing to do with VFX or special effects. Cause that, that? that could be, that could be the tipping point for most films. Like when you see a good VFX, you're like, wow, that looks real. Mm -hmm. Or if you see a bad one, you're like, wow, this is like a good film, but the, the, the VFX yeah, is a nut job and it mm -hmm. kind of, it can really make or break a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I would do something like, uh, something like um, maybe in the genre of like drama or um, that has like really deep emotional storylines that are like this where the story outweighs the visuals mm -hmm. I think that would be that would be great that would for be me. yeah yeah and um, so the movie of course you know this is about a zombie apocalypse so our closing question for all of our guests is um, if you were to undergo a zombie apocalypse in the city of Boston right now, uh, or not right now, like just in the normal world, not coronavirus or anything. How would you survive the zombie apocalypse? What would your plan be? Oh yeah, so um, that's a really interesting question because I feel like uh, I've actually thought about this a lot. So it's it has something like it's the same thing as if you are paralyzed from the neck down what would you do do you want to keep living or do you want to die because it's mm -hmm. the same situation basically in a zombie apocalypse you're uh, you're basically fighting to survive the next minute mm -hmm. and every things could go bad every at any minute and then for a person with like if you're, I'm, i get into a car accident i'm like paralyzed from the neck down i can't do anything and the same thing with uh, in a zombie apocalypse it's not living it's literally surviving so like uh, it could be different from everybody else's answer but mine would be just to get turn into a zombie the first minute the outbreaks begin. so you would you would sacrifice yourself so you wouldn't have to go through yeah, so all I don't, the anxiety I don't wanna, it's not it's not a great living situation <laughs> so i don't really want to do it in the first place like think about how if it's as contagious as like any zombie movie how many people do you think are going to survive uh, at the end? And then how tough their life is compared to mine when I'm just a mm -hmm. brainless zombie at that point. 
Yeah. Well, uh, did you have a good time? Did you have a good interview? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So we have one more ending bit, and that is just the intro and the closer. So okay. it's pretty simple. Stop me if Connor's explained this to you before. Okay. So, she has so basically, all you do is you say, Hi, my name is your name, and this is my golden hour. Okay. And then immediately after that, Hi, my name is your name, and that was my golden hour. Okay. Yeah, whenever you're ready. Okay. Hi, my name is Frank, and this is my golden hour.、Perfect. Do I have to say podcast after that? No. no. Okay, let me do it again. Hi, my name is Frank, and then this is my golden hour.、Mm-hmm. And、no. there's like Connor's whoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Next clip.、Uh-huh. And hi, my name is Frank, and this was my golden hour. Perfect.、Okay. You nailed it.、Great. Thanks so Thank much,、you. Frank.、Yeah.